Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. It was a historic night at Martinsville Speedway. The Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500 from Martinsville Speedway run under the lights for the first time ever in the Speedway's long, long history. And on a Wednesday night, who would have thought we would have seen that here in 2020? But that is reality as it ran last night. At Martinsville Speedway, Martin Trix Jr. was the winner. Um, we'll discuss all of that. We'll, we'll also take a look back quick and, and review quickly the Xfinity and Truck Series events from Atlanta, and we'll talk about those events coming up at Homestead Miami Speedway as well as a Cup Series event from Homestead on Sunday. If you're not sure of the schedule, uh, there's two shows on both days on Saturday and Sunday, Trucks and Xfinity on Saturday at Homestead, and then Xfinity and Cup on Sunday as well. So we'll get to that a little bit later but I want to focus in on Martinsville and the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500. Again, Martin Trucks Jr. is a winner. But Spencer started off as a race that um, surprised a lot of people. Uh, you saw a lot of good drivers, Ryan Blaney, Brad Kozlowski, uh, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, a lot of contenders that a lot of people thought were going to be contenders, fall lap down. And for some of them, it was laps they couldn't make up for the rest of the day. Matt Kenseth. Uh, what were your thoughts when that race initially started? You saw a lot of the big-name drivers, a lot of drivers who you, you thought would have been potential, having a potential to win that race, falling a lap down and, and, uh, in, that first, in that first, I guess, section of the race right before the competition caution, the first 60 laps. What was your initial thoughts there? Yeah, it was, uh, was kind of weird, honestly. Uh, like, we talked about it right before the show. Um the guys who started up front all, but I believe Logano and maybe second place were the only guys able to stay up front. Um, Logano, he let, uh, ran away with it. But all the other guys who started, I don't know, seventh on back to 10th and a little after that just fell to the back. I mean, Blaney went all the way to 23rd in the first stage and, you know, had a fast car, you know, pretty much all night after he regained that lap. And um, But it was like the field just reversed. Um, the back guys went to the front, the front guys went to the back. And I don't know if just the, um, the guys in the back were like, Hey, it's a long race. We're already in the back. There's no need to use our stuff up. And the guys in the front were like, Hell, we're up front. Let's race. And they just maybe use their tires up. I don't know. Um, but it was kind of strange. Uh, but I, overall, I thought it was a decent race. It was exciting under the lights. First time. Um, pretty cool to be able to witness that. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, there was a lot of guys, you know, a lot of beating and banging. There was a lot, of, a lot of good cars with damage, and that's just a, uh, that's just a short track um, type deal, you know. There, you're beating off the corners, and you know everybody's bumper had damage on the front. I mean, Mustang wording was off the bumpers, so it was exciting. And Martinsville always is like that, but um, yeah, just odd how everybody fell off quick in the beginning of the race. Yeah, and. Uh, I know Philip and I had a conversation earlier. Philip, the, the thing that saved a lot of these guys was that competition caution at lap 60. Um, you know, and, and I'm not normally a person who likes competition caution. I actually think 95% of them are absolutely insane. 
I would I would love competition cautions to just not be a norm. Even with this pandemic, I think they're stupid. But last night with the new tire, I understood a little bit more. There was some courting going on with a lot of the tires in that first run. So I understand chopping that run down, but that really saved a lot of these, these teams and drivers. I mean, um, there was, you know, Ryan Blaney, for example, was able to fix his car and really get the lucky dog and was able to work his way back up to the field. Martin Trick Jr. was able to stay in the lead lap because there was a lot of big-time names who were able to rebound. We talk about Truex going to victory lane, Ryan Blaney finishing second, Brad Keselowski falling a lap down in that first, that first initial run, uh, where they were able to really co- sort of capitalize on that competition caution. That helped them. Otherwise, if it was just a normal stage caution, they would have been caught even maybe even more laps down. And who knows how far Logano would have lapped through the field. Uh, it was a very interesting first part of that race there at Martinsville, Phillip, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we talked about that earlier. I honestly loved the start of that race because in all these years of watching this sport, I don't remember a car starting on the pole and literally dropping anchor in in 50 laps. I, I, I just don't remember that. It may have happened when I was a little kid, but you consider both front row guys. I mean, Spencer mentioned it with Blaney. Eric Almirola took the lead at the start, and then the bottom fell out, which seems to be the norm for the 10 team this year. They can't buy any luck, but the 12 completely was gone. The 19 should have went a lap down. The, the, the 18 and the 11 couldn't recover the whole day. They lost two laps, and they were done. You know, Brad Keselowski loses a lap. It, 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 I've, I've never seen something like that. It was it was something that was really cool. It looked like there were cars out there like Joey Logano who was like a slot car. That thing stuck. It could get off the corner. It was as fast as anything that's ever been at Martinsville Speedway. And then you had his two teammates, and they looked like they were driving on an ice skating rink. And I'm like, how the heck can that be? And it, it was insane, honestly. And, and the the sun the way the track looked, everything, it was really cool, you know, and I I, I hope that this becomes a, a, a norm for not the Wednesday thing, but, you know, they run, they start the race a little earlier. They started at like 6 o'clock in the evening on a, in uh, when they run it in its regular time in May, early at like maybe five thirty six o'clock, and then by the end of the race they get into the darkness. That would actually be cool. But man, uh, you, you, Joey Logano. The only reason that Joey Logano didn't lap virtually the entire field was because of that competition yellow. And yeah, it saved Martin. It saved it. I mean, Blaney was the benefactor. Two cautions on the third caution. The competition yellow saved Alex Bowman, who who ended up getting a, a top ten finish out of it. I mean, if he hadn't gotten, if he wasn't in line there, who knows where he would have went. So, I mean, it it, it was something. It, it definitely was different and uh, definitely appreciate different. And Martinsville comes through as, as usual. It's a classic. It's a, it's a great racetrack, and I'm glad that we're still going there. And as much as I love daytime racing at Martinsville and the sun, Sunday afternoon festivities and, and everything, I, I mean, that was – Tremendous last night. When you saw that under lights, you're like, "Wow, place looks yeah. great." I mean, it looked awesome. It was, 
It was the cars looked great. Everything was just perfect. And it's almost like, you know, once a year, I feel like, you know, we, we kind of beat the dead horse with, with night races a lot where we'll put, Hey, it works great for once a year. Let's put two night races there. I would like to do just one night race a year and almost make it like Bristol where Bristol's night race in it's lost its luster in the last five or 10 years, but Bristol's night race used to be a marquee event and maybe Martinsville can turn into that. So uh, that'd be really cool to see that. Um, yeah, it was a great night, uh, and Joe Logano got off to a great start. He was the fastest car by far. Then we had the, the stage one. Everybody sort of changed their, uh, changed their tires out, started handling the race car. We saw some people really working on it from that point forward. But, you know, Martin Trex Jr., give him a lot of credit. Uh, not only did he have to come from the back once, uh, you know, from falling falling back so far on the initial start of the race, but – he had that, and, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. He had that ridiculous commit cone penalty, which I understand he, he totally did break the rules. I'm not trying to say he didn't, but some of these pit road rules are just, they're just there to be rules. It drives, me, it drives you crazy. It's like, why, you know, if he's not doing anything stupid, why do we have a commit rule? Why do we have too many men over the wall, which hurt Ryan Blaney? Too, or, uh, I'm sorry, men over the wall too soon which hurt Ryan Blaney. It's just some of these rules are just crazy. Um, but he had to come from the back twice, Trex. So that was very, very impressive. Ryan Blaney, too. Ryan Blaney had to come from the back twice. I think, Spencer, those two guys, and they ended up winning, uh, finishing first and second, I should say. Um, but those two guys, to me, were the class of the field. I know I remember watching Blaney when Blaney uh, had the penalty, the pit road penalty late in the race, and watching his lap times, I'm sitting there going, if he could get track position, man, he's going to be right up there with the leaders, no problem. And certainly he was. He was up there and, and was able to get some track position by uh, a nice caution there at the end and was able to work his way up to the second position. Couldn't catch Truex. Truex was already out too far there. Uh, and, he, and his lap times, I think, faded. He might have taken a little bit off the tires. But to me, those two guys should be very, very proud of themselves, Spencer, for just how awful their night started. And then not only that, they had both had penalties – and were able to rebound and have a solid night, and for Truex to go to victory lane, and for Blaney to finish second, I think that that's really the story of the night for for uh, those two guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Blaney. I mean, he was. You know, we were sitting here talking about him in the first four races of the season being the best car out there on the racetrack, and um, you know, and he's had, he had another solid run last night in the second, and you know, it's a good points day, and if you can't win, you know, that's obviously where you want to finish a second. Um, but yeah, he he had faster lap times for than Truex um, a majority until you know a last last handful of laps. Um, and I think Truex's lead and uh, that he had paced himself from Blaney and then Blaney's tire uh, wear um, it just he had too much wear on his tires to go up and lap traffic's you know the track's so small you only have so many places to go on that racetrack and you know lap traffic there was a lot of so getting around that. And, you know, you have awful tires and, you know, you're, you're slipping off of the corner because they're so worn out. I mean, it, it's, it sounds like Martinsville. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And, um, but yeah, he was, he was, he was really, really good all night. And, you know, that was a good positive run for them, a lot of momentum. And then for Truex, I mean, that's good for him and his crew chief, you know, him losing Cole Pern, um, you know, we, you know, it was only, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, obviously we didn't think he was not going to go to victory lane. I mean, it's Martin Truex and Joe Gibb racing and Martin, he's been a different driver ever since, you know, about 2016. 
Um, he's gotten better, um, a lot better. I mean, he's a champion now. He's got, you know, a handful, I don't know the exact number, but a lot of wins under his belt right now. And um, he's just, he's, he's really kind of in his prime of his career. Um, and he, he did a very, very good job last night, um, you know, working his way back to the front. And he capitalized, and now he has a win, and he's locked into the playoffs. So um, two very solid nights for those guys. Yeah, win 27 last night, by the way. And considering he had three before the 2016 season, uh, that that's it's incredible. It really is to see it back into the career. It really reminds me, and I know you might be a little bit too young for this, Spencer, but it really reminds me of, and I don't know if Philip can relate to this, but it almost reminds me of Dale Jarrett, where Dale Jarrett had, and Dale was a little bit more as far as not really catching on to a ride early on in his career. Uh he was Dale. Dale in a lot of people's careers go on a little bit off topic here. Early in his career, a lot of people sort of written him off as a really good race car driver. They're like, eh, you know, he struggled with Kale Yarbrough. Uh, he wasn't great with the Wood Brothers. He even struggled, aside from his Daytona 500 win with Joe Gibbs Racing, got to the Yates team and really just took off. Uh, and that's co- sort of what Truex's career to me has has really resembled is just seeing somebody, you know, late 30s, early 40s getting in there and really starting to take off and having the prime of their career at that point. Um, but getting back to last night, Philip, I think that was just, those were the stories, you know, Blaney and Truex. Uh, we'll also get the Bubba Wallace in a little bit, but I think the biggest story of the night was, was who, how Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin, and I know they fell a lap down early, but the fact that they couldn't get their laps back. And I know there wasn't a lot of cautions, but usually, you know, you see these guys off a little bit, and you go, well, they're going to, they're gonna, don't worry, look at the lucky dog. And Kyle at times was in the lucky dog position, but the green flag runs became so long that some of these guys towards the tail end of the lead lap were getting lapped. So Kyle had to, couldn't, you know, he was chasing his own tail after a while. And the real interesting thing about it was when Corey LaJoy stayed out there to take the lead, um, I yeah. don't think, and a lot of people thought he did it just for the spat with Denny Hamlin on Twitter. I don't think he did that. I think he looked at it and said, Let's keep as many cars on the on the on a lap down as possible because yeah. that might be more that in my benefit. And it ended up being in his benefit. He finished 18th um, with Kyle Busch behind him in 19th. So uh, to me, Philip, I know it was a long sort of crazy uh, question here, but to me, the second story of the night was just how you know Matt Kenseth, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Eric Jones, once they fell a lap down, they couldn't get their lap back. That was shocking to me. Yeah, when you consider that Martinsville is a track where you look at Joe Gibbs Racing and they've had a lot of success in recent years. Like, I mean, Hamlin, it's one, it's a home-type race because it's Virginia. He's won there multiple times. Kyle Busch in recent years has figured out how to run Martinsville. Now in the last year, since last year, all of a sudden Martin Truex now knows how to win at a short track. Uh, he's won the last four races in the state of Virginia. I mean, it's it, you would say that the Gibbs guys being that far off and then not being able to get back around is a big deal. I would also say that the Stuart Haas cars would be in there like a 1A with their battery and, and alternator problems, which basically took all of their cars or the three that are legitimate out of contention, uh, Harvick, ground out a 15th place finish but he was having problems all day the 10 car was having problems most of the day came back up and then the bottom fell out the 14 car finished 17th 
but he was having electrical and battery issues. So, I mean, those are two of the biggest teams in this sport, and it almost looked as though they were not ready for action on uh, last night. And so it's that's crazy to see. But when it comes to Kyle Busch, you know he's going to win eventually. Hamlin, the point is Hamlin's the same way as last year. Hamlin will pick his spots and he'll win a race here and there, and he'll be irrelevant in a bunch of other ones. And because of the, the rules that we have, it doesn't matter. Uh, the the same thing goes for Kevin Harvick. He's a points leader, and he doesn't really have to worry about a 15th place finish. He's earned so many points. The I would say for for Al Marola or, or Quinn mm-hmm. Boyer or Eric Jones, those are guys that are on the bubble or around the bubble. That's a bigger problem for them. Uh, but yep. hey, I mean it. It, it was just. It, it, it was a different race last night. It was something that you, they, they need to have something like that uh, more often. It would make it makes it worth following. It makes it worth having to stay with it the whole way because most of the races they run on cookie cutters. You can change a channel and leave for half the race and then come back. You haven't missed anything. This one you really had to stay with it, even with the yellows and all the kind of strategies that went on. It was definitely. And, and old Larry Mack with his comers and goers, you know, they there were definitely cars that came from the middle or tailback, as Rusty likes to say, and cars that went from the front and went to the back. So it was, it was definitely a good show. Yeah, that that to me, uh, Philip, is, is the key for what we need to do with racing and, and, and stock car racing especially, is to have a show that is that you can watch throughout where it's interesting having action going on, and, and I feel like we've really lost that in the last 10 years with the uh, you know attrition rate virtually going away, which made the, the Seward-Haas thing even more crazy because this is a team, like you said, they're a big-time operation, and for them, all four to have battery issues, it makes you scratch your head and go, well, how is that possible? You know, and I know they probably would have, if we had practice, they probably would have figured it out in practice, and they said, oh, Eric, I'm going to roll out a battery issue, and then everybody would have changed them because – they would have said we want to we want to be precautionary and just change them all, and they probably wouldn't even have been a factor in this race had we had practice sessions. But the fact that they still showed up like that was shocking. And for Amarola, you know, it's been a tough year for him. He's 14th in points right now. Uh, you know, Boyer is 12th. Um, you know, and, and I know Harvick's got a couple of wins. He's fine. Uh, and Custer's really in a tough year. He's 26th in points. So he's a rookie. I'm not expecting him to go out and make the playoffs. But uh, he was having a great night to begin with anyway. But, you know, just for Stuart Haas, like you said, to come out in that battery problems were huge that organization. Uh, let me give a quick rundown of the top ten. I know I don't think I've done that yet. Martin Chuck Jr. was your winner. It was Ryan Blaney in second. Then it was Brad Kozlowski, Joey Logano, and then Chase Elliott at the top five. Um, Alex Bowman was sixth. Then it was Matthew Benedetto, who had a solid night all night. He finished seventh. Uh, William Byron, eighth. Kurt Busch, ninth. And Jimmy Johnson, tenth. I want to talk about you, Spencer, here. With the night, spoke about uh, Team Penske. Team Penske had a really great night. They finished second, third, and fourth. Logano um, led a lot. Uh, Blaney worked his way up through the back of the field. Kozlowski did as well. They were strong. Um, you know, and, and Penske and Gibbs have won, I think, what, what they say, like the last seven short track races or something like that. But it, as a Hendrick Motorsports fan, it had to be great to see Hendrick Motorsports perform so well. All f- four of their cars finishing in the top 10. Chase Elliott had a really good night. 
Alex Bowman had a really good night. William Byron had lost the field a little bit, but came up and finished eighth. But the, not, the run of the night, and, and there was a time there in the middle part of that race, I went, oh, boy, here we go. This is Jimmy Johnson 2007 all over again. He worked his way up to the lead. Won a stage only the third time in his career he's done that. Uh, he faded late. I'm not, I think that might be something where they'll have to work on it. But he led 70 laps. Uh, Hendrick at least made them know they were there last night at Martinsville. That had to feel, be, feel pretty good after, um, you know, that, that they, the fact that they haven't really performed great here at Martinsville over the last year or two for them to go out there and finish in the top ten all four cars. And Jimmy lead a lot. That must have been nice to see for Hendrick Motorsports there. Yeah, I mean, we've said on past years, they're all showing speed, um, especially Chase. You know, I think he's a lead guy over there right now with speed. But, I mean, he ran, you know, I agreed with you is what you just said. I thought this could have been his night. You know, he, he went up there and he passed for the lead and stayed up there. And um, I don't know. It's, he, oh, you mentioned so it was only his third time winning stages because he hasn't ran really good since the stages have been, um, you know, into the sport. I think 2017 that was. Could be a year before that. I don't remember. But, um, you know, he's been off for several years, and the whole organization has, and they've just started really coming back. Um, and all Chevys have shown speed, unless you're Ganassi with the 42 car. But, anyways, um, yeah, I mean, he had a good night, and it's not, you know, he's had good nights before. Um, Martinsville, so he, they're making progress, and I, if they continue to run like that, he's bound to find victory lane, which I think would be awesome for his last year. Um, you know, going out on top, winning a race, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a shame if he doesn't win his last year, and um, didn't win last year, missed playoffs last year, so um, good night by him. I think it's positive momentum. Um, he says he's really liking what him and his new crew chief have been doing, so, I mean, them two can click, they can really go on a roll. I mean, you've got, you can't forget he's seven-time champion, and you know, 84 wins. So um, I, I think he can get the job done. Well, with how the last couple of years have gone for Jimmy, I almost got to a point where I said, I hope 2020 isn't going to be a year where he just fades. You know, we've seen a lot of guys recently. Dale Jr. didn't have a great final year. Uh, I mean, we could talk about Richard Petty all you want. Richard Petty was, was the last four or five years of his career. Was, it was terrible. Um, and that's being kind, you know, Jeff Gordon wasn't he had a, he had a nice final year and I thought for Jimmy he might just fade because he that's where he's been the last couple of years but even if he totally doesn't win this year as a Jimmy Johnson fan I would think that fact that he went out there on on Wednesday night last night and took the lead at Martinsville and just won that stage and just made you feel good and go man oh man that was awesome it had, it had to be a great feeling saying I know you know it's not a win but it had to be a great feeling just to win a stage and show that he could still do it at Martinsville. Uh, the other, one of the other stories of the night, and there was a lot of them, but it was the story of Bubba Wallace. Bubba obviously had Black Lives Matter on his car last night, um, but was aside from that was a very, very strong uh, – had a very, very strong car in his Richard Petty Motorsports car, and that's a team, a solo car operation, um, and they got some help from RCR. There's no question, but they're not – the biggest budgeted financial team out there, but for Bubba to go out there and finish stage two and seventh, uh, stage one he finished in sixth, got a lot of points. He faded a little bit. That I think the last runner, the second before last run, he wasn't great. He almost fell a lap down. But then at the last 
run. He almost got a top 10, was able to pass a couple of cars, both Roush cars. Uh, he was able to get around and finished 11th um, and almost got Jimmy Johnson there at the end for a top 10. Uh, but Bubba's had a really good year. And I know all there's all, all kinds of other stuff with Jimmy John, uh, with um, Bubba Wallace that I don't want to get to right now. But as far as on the racetrack, he's been very, very good. This has been his, uh, by far his best year. And it seems like him and Jerry Baxter, who hasn't got enough credit in my opinion, um, a guy who comes from the truck series at GMS, he worked with Bubba over there at Kyle Busch Motorsports. But it seems like they've really clicked and gotten things figured out. And I know this is Bubba's best racetrack, but still a very, very solid day for him. Got a lot of stage points and 11th place run. What were your thoughts on Bubba Wallace's night at the paperclip last night? Yeah, personal bias aside, being a fan of him and the Richard Petty and all that, that was a great run. Uh, it's not unexpected when you consider it's one of Bubba's best racetracks. People want to say he can't drive. He's won there twice. So <clears throat> to win at Martinsville, you don't win there by accident. And he did it with Jerry Baxter. And frankly, if they had longer runs at the end of the race, he could have possibly been able to get a little more. He had lost a lot of track position, as you mentioned, Clayton, there in one of those runs there in that last segment. And that was where he basically couldn't make up uh, make up everything. And then in the last 20 laps or 30 laps of that race, he went, I think, from 17th or 18th to 11th and was trying to get 10th from Jimmy Johnson, who had won a stage and was a factor earlier in the race. So they've been running really well. They've made a huge step forward, and I think it's connected also with uh, RCR step forward with uh, Tyler Reddick being there and Randall Burnett in the eight and how they've moved the team forward. Dylan has taken both Dylan brothers or, I mean, Austin minus last night. I mean, he had the crush panels knocked out and that's not his fault. It is what it is. Uh, He was running, he's been running better, but the 43 team minus a couple of mechanicals, that they had at uh, Charlotte and Darlington or whatever. I think both of them are at Charlotte during the 600 and both races there. They, they're way ahead of where they've been for the last however many years. I, I think the last time that the 43 car was anywhere near the top 20, inside of the top 20 in points or thereabouts was, I think, 2015 or something like that. So it's been a long time for that team and that organization minus all the other things that there's a whole separate show and discussion for them to run Mm -hmm. better is good for the sport. There's certain numbers, there's certain iconic things that are there. The 43, no matter how bad Mr. The King ran the last eight years of his career and how bad it's basically been ever since he got out of the car. I mean, Martinsville is a track where plenty of history with the 43, John and the late John Andretti won his last race there, his one race for the King. You you look at Bubba being there; it's one of his best racetracks. It's a good thing, and uh, yeah, it's nice to see. And and it's a and it helps the sport in that you have a smaller team being able to compete. The guys like himself, the guys like Corey LaJoy, actually having a chance up front. That's what the short tracks and 
that give give the opportunity to those teams because it doesn't happen at the cookie cutters. For sure. And and Bubba uh, was the leader of those smaller teams, you could say, and he isn't a teammate. You know, that's why I'm kind of putting him in a smaller team category. Uh, was sort of the, the leader. But there was other guys who I thought deserve a shout-out. One is Michael McDowell, 14th place run. He was a top 20 car all night long. He did a very, very good job. He deserves uh, a lot of credit, finished on the lead lap in 14th. Tyler Reddick, and I know I, I'm not sure what happened, whether that car went away. I, I don't know if I missed something with that car, but he was a top 10 car for a lot of the night, too, we, and he's a rookie. And I, I believe the handling went away on that eight car, but finished 16th. But, you know, 16th isn't a great finish. I'm sure he's disappointed where he, where he ended up. But just to show that he was up there battling with guys who run Martinsville, I've run. I have a lot of experience at Martinsville. For him to go up there in his rookie year and really put on an, a, a good run for that team uh, certainly is is something you have to hold your head high, high walking out of there if you're Tyler Reddick. So he did a great job. You mentioned Corey LaJoy as well, 18th place run for him. Um, nice job by him. And and I do feel for Austin Dillon, I do. Um, you know, he didn't even get a chance to show his stuff. I think it was lap one or two. He had a blown tire and left crush panels, and then uh, the, he had the – fatigue issue, and I, I hope everything's okay with him health-wise. I believe he's going to be all right, but uh, still a scary situation. But, yeah, so those guys, you know, those smaller teams here going up there, and, and it certainly is something, Philip, you said, those, that's what short tracks do. It seems like they let these – and that's why we need more of them on the, on the, circ, on the schedule. Uh, it lets these smaller teams really spread their wings. Um, but how about you, Spencer? What do you think – Something we haven't really discussed yet. That, is there anything that we haven't discussed yet that really stands out to you as far as um, what was a surprise last night, like either good or bad? Uh, what did you think, uh, something last night that, that really stood out to you? How awful the 42 and Matt Kenseth were again. Um, no, but I think what's really cool is all the small teams, how you're able to just – you're able to come here and – really have a good night and really get a lot of television for your sponsor. I mean, Michael McDowell, he drove up inside the top 10 um, early in the race. And, they, you know, that, that that don't happen a lot for those guys. And, you know, Bubba, he doesn't, you know, he had a good run at uh, Indy, I believe it was, last year. Um, but that don't happen a lot for him. You know, he doesn't go to the racetrack, um, you know, thinking he's, you know, he wants to win, but he knows his odds aren't really in his favor. And that's nothing against him or any, you know, it's just the team that he's with. Um, I think he did a brilliant job last night, you know, applaud him and his team. Um, that was phenomenal what they did with his race car. Um, and, you know, he, he needed a good night and he had it and he got a lot of television from it. And I think that's uh, good what that team has going. But just the small teams. I, I love seeing, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a big fan of small teams. I love seeing small teams run well. Um, you know, that's it's just awesome. They're able to go out there and really – show their, you know, their their budget against these big budgets like Hendrick and Gibbs and so on and so forth. But um, great job by a lot of small teams. And then, um, yeah, I don't know if you guys want to talk, talk about it, but, uh, you know, Matt Kenseth, um, and, you know, I don't know what it is or, you know, I and most of the people who listen to this show knew I'm a big Kyle Larson fan. And, you know, the 42 bunch, that's not really my problem anymore. You know, my driver's – um, unfortunately not racing in NASCAR anymore and he's killing it on dirt. So, but that team is 
really, really, really awful. Um, I, you know, and I'm not going to cut Matt Kenseth the brick. You're a champion. You've won plenty of races. You know what you're doing. Um, that car is awful. I mean, he, he, he was a joke last night. It was that bad. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what the deal is, what, what they got going on over there, but, um, you know, you know, obviously he's not going to be the driver there next year, but if they want to, you know, sell sponsorship, you might want to start running a little bit better. Um, but yeah, that was awful performance by the champ. Listen, uh, and, and I, and it was certainly something that I think, you know, when we saw him in the first couple of races, sort of, eh, he's getting his feet underneath him. You know what I mean? You know, like, finishing 16th, not a big deal. Right now, other than his run at top 10 run at Darlington, the last six races, his average finish is 23rd. And the biggest problem is, and I mentioned this with Reddick and uh, a couple, and Bubba Wallace even, you know, Bubba Wallace got a lot of stage points last night. Reddick got a, a stage point last night. And that's not even doing that. And he was a guy, again, you know, in that group with Kyle Busch, Eric Jones, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, you know, where he sat there and you said, they're going to get their last back, right? You know, it's Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth's run here a million times at Martinsville, and I know it's a different package than what he's normally used to, but still you sit there and you'd say, you know, the guy's got 38 starts at Martinsville. I know he's never won there, but he was very, very competitive there with Joe Gibbs Racing, and for him to go out there and uh, struggle the way he did, it's certainly shocking, and it just makes you wonder, you know, Will this turn around? And I'm not sure how many people expected him to come out and make the playoffs. Um, but I think they said, you know what? You're going to get a guy in this 42 car who's going to – they're going to be competitive. And he's not hes not that right now. He's not that right now. And it could, I could totally see it just swing. I'm not going to sit there and say it, it's, it's terminal issues there. But it's certainly a cause for concern on that 42 car. There certainly is – Last night was three laps down and 23rd. It's just not acceptable in a Ganassi car, especially when your teammate finishes ninth. You got the other Hendrick cars. So you have a close affiliation with finishing in the top 10. It wasn't like, you know, the Hendrick cars were way back and you go, well, there might have been something wrong with them. You know, he was sort of an outlier there. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's starting to be that issue where we're sitting there going, okay, you know what, we have to. At least he can have it. Now he can go out in a couple of weeks at Talladega and win. And this could be all for naught. You know, as long as he finishes 30th in points, he's fine. Uh, and he's going to be able to do that no problem, at least you would think. But, um, yeah, it, it certainly is a little bit alarming if you're a Ganassi, if somebody who roots for Ganassi in that 42 call. If you're a Matt Kenseth fan, expecting him to go out there and really compete, uh, he hasn't really been able to do that other than his run at Martinsville or at Darlington to start the year. So to start – his year, I should say. Um, so, yeah, you know, something to keep an eye on out for sure. Uh, Philip, final words on Martinsville last night, and then I want to get to uh, – I, I want to ask you something about practice sessions and the lack of practice sessions and how that affects the racing. But do you have anything else you want to add about the Martinsville race, Philip? I mean, you just have to go and say credit to Truex, James Small. They had missed it initially, and they come through – there when it counts to get that victory leading the last 130 plus laps of that race and hopefully you know you would think that the people that Daytona would would understand what kind of racing that they had last night they'd also understand that less very little downforce with more horsepower and a tire that 
I mean, of course, bad year is what they are. But for one state, none of the tires blew out, which, I'll, you know, I have to call. I go and nail them all the time, whatever vehicle I'm on. But none of the tires were blowing out yesterday. Yeah, they were cording. But the fact that they were able to make a relatively durable tire that also wore out, I think it's a positive sign, and if they could go and use some of the things they had last night and kind of move it across all racetracks that they go to, it would be a good thing uh, for whatever rules that they're going to have as they move forward here uh, in the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. It, um, there was a lot of thing, factors last night with why the racing was a little bit different than what we saw. They had a new short track package, new tire you mentioned from Goodyear. Also the fact that we have we didn't practice and that's sort of where I want to go here with this next little topic. I'll get both of your opinions on it. Um you know, this lack of practice, a lot of people have been pointing at the fact that that's why we've seen some of these bigger teams struggling a little bit. Um when you look at Roush, for example, they they had a decent night last night, but they haven't really been struggling other than that. Uh you know, Matt Kenseth and and we've seen cars here and there you know, Truex a couple of weeks ago wasn't that great at a track he's normally great at. Uh, Toyotas haven't been great. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is, do you think the lack of practice is a good thing? I mean, there's a lot of people who say we should never, we should, with the way everything's been going with racing in this stock car, in NASCAR, we should never have practice again. I feel personally, and I don't want to get your opinion on this, and I'm going to go with Spencer, um, it's a little too early to make that call. And here's what I'm going to say. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, it's because the smaller, the bigger teams are struggling. I feel like the bigger teams are going to get their arms around this eventually. And then if you don't have practice, there's no way for the smaller teams to get better. Um, I could totally be wrong on that. But I don't want to sit there. To me, once you say no more practice forever, it's gone. You know, I don't think forever you really got to push hard to get practice back in there. So, listen, I'm all for cutting down practice time. Uh, if you want to have one-hour practice session, that's fine. But to have no practice, to me, at least right now, uh, is a little bit too early for me to make that conclusion. But what are your thoughts, Philip? Do you, how do you think that's affected the racing? And do you agree with, with a lot of the people on Twitter and a lot of people on social media that we should totally just act practice? I don't know about axing practice completely. Uh, I look at it in the sense of having friends, and you do too, and Spencer and all of us, know people in the garage area, and and the toll they have to go through, and it's like, well, you're working, it's your job, whatever. But those are the guys and uh, women, the men and women that are going out there and having to work, and they're the ones that are really providing the show for us. Uh, a lot of these races, they had three-day shows, and they the the way they scheduled things, like they'd have two practices on a Friday, and then you'd run one lap on Saturday, and then you'll run the race on Sunday. That makes no sense. It's called show up. I'm I'm all for show up that day, run a run some hot laps. I mean, I, it's kind of like the world of outlaws. You show up. You run hot laps, you run a qualifying lap, and then you get in your heats and your race, and, and you go from there. 
there's nothing wrong with going that way. Less time out on the racetrack, I think, makes it more of a challenge. It puts it more in the hands of people who have a little ingenuity. It isn't as much of an engineering science, because once you go and spend all that time uh, with computers hooked up and all the engineers, they've made NASCAR and Cup Series racing especially into Formula One light. And fundamentally, I'm a Formula One fan, but the fact is, why are you trying to do that? It defeats the purpose. It's supposed to be low, in certain ways, quote, air quote, low tech, end end quote. You're supposed to have to drive these race cars. You're supposed to have to, you know, run it off the right rear or whatever. To me, less is more. I don't mind watching big-time drivers getting, getting humbled once in a while. It happens. It's good. You know, instead of them being able to skate to victory without any real issue, I think it it said more about Martin Truex that he didn't have an easy night. And then he looked like it was all easy. It wasn't all easy for him. So uh, they're not going to get rid of practice. I know they aren't. Uh, Some of these, you know, promoters are going to want to have multiple days. But the days of three-day shows, I think, are probably done. I, I think definitely you show up one day, you go and unload, practice, qualify, or you practice and then you do a qualifying in a race the next day. It'll be longer days, but there'll be less of them. I think that's where we're moving towards. I, I think you're accurate on that. And uh, something I've, I've kind of pitched at, and I'll get Spencer's opinion on this in a second, is I like less practice and, and you know, a, a few years, I've been calling for this for about five years and I used to say, you know, one hour practice before qualifying, one hour after to work on race runs. The first hour is to work on qualifying runs. I would even just say one 45-minute practice would call a day, one 30-minute practice would call a day. I'd be fine with that. Uh, but to me, I would do, do it, I would take away practice, but I would open up testing a little bit. Now, the owners aren't going to like that at all. Uh, a lot of people won't like that because uh, you spend a lot of money testing. But, again, I just get afraid to where these bigger teams have all the resources they need to, you know, if they need to to, to, to really perform at, at the top level. They have all the resources. And these smaller teams don't. And what really helps the smaller teams is track time. And so I don't want to take away practice entirely and then just say, oh, well, you know, if Joe Gibbs Racing, for example, hits on something for 12 races, these smaller teams can't do anything about it because they don't have any, practice, any, any track time. Um, so that's what, that, to me, is why I wrote up testing. But how about you, Spencer? Um, what are your thoughts on, on the uh, practice, lack, lack of practice we've seen? Do you think that's something that um, we should continue? Again, a lot of people on Twitter last night, I was watching on Twitter last night, I was like, wow. I was surprised to see a lot of people saying, I don't want to ever practice again. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think we need practice in, in NASCAR? Um, do you want to see less practice? What are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I think the, you know, three-day shows are gone, um, you know, but I think you need practice. And I'm going to go a different way since you guys already talked about it. I don't know why we're not doing practice now. You have these guys show up hours before the race, you screen, and they go sit in their motorhome. It doesn't make sense not to have practice. For 
do a 20-minute practice session. These drivers have no clue what their car is going to do. Now, yes, you're going to look at it and say, hey, these drivers get paid the big bucks. They know how to drive. They should be able to um, come in and get used to the car as the race goes on. But these, they don't know nothing. They're going in blind. I don't know why they're not doing a 20-minute practice session now or a half-hour practice session. You know, they can hang out in the pit box all race, all night. You're outside. I don't see why you're just having the driver sit in the motorhome for 30 minutes all day. Take 30 minutes out of that time. Do a 30-minute practice session. When the clock is up, that's it. That's all you get. There's no need for these cars to sit in the garage, locked down, for everybody to just hang out in the racetrack and not do anything. You're outside, people, with a mask on. You're not going to spread anything. Keep your six feet. The driver's in the race car going around the track at 170 mile an hour. I mean, he's away from everybody. Have your crew guys stand on pit road away from everybody. Call today. Pull it in the garage. Done deal. Your practice is over. Get ready for the race. What you got is what you got. I agree. Uh, and I wouldn't totally practice. Next... Go ahead. I agree with less practice. But in this time, this pandemic, this whole coronavirus thing, have practice. There is no need that we are not having practice right now. Don't do qualifying. That's fine. You know, pulling from the draw, you know, you either get a good draw or you don't. But have practice. Um, but for the long, you know, these hour practices, no. Um, condense it down to 25 minutes, like you said, two-day shows, even one-day show. You know, you know, if you cut practice down into a small amount of time, you can have two practices. Two practices are going to equal the one long hour-and-a-half practice that you have in normal times. Then you do qualifying. Right. I mean, it's 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 really simple. I mean, if I'm not saying NASCAR don't have brains, but if you get somebody in there that can do some math, you can really squeeze it in there all in one day and be perfectly fine. It'll save the team's money. You're not booking hotels. It, and I mean, it's somebody you know somebody that needs to do math needs to get in there and really sit down and figure out when the times can when you can do practice in short times and it can be done. Trust me. I mean, they're doing nothing now. Why can't they do a 30-minute practice session? Well, it's an interesting point. You've brought up a lot of interesting points there. I want to get to all of them. Uh, for the first part, uh, as far as why they're not practicing right now during the pandemic, one of the things we have to, real, I think, understand is they inspect these cars now once, and they go under a tarp. And if you have a practice session, to do it in one day, to have a big uh, a 30-minute practice session, and then – inspect the cars after that it might not be enough time i'm not sure exactly how they're doing that and and to test everybody um i think they're looking at it and saying or at least check everybody's temperature i think they're looking at it saying let's just get the race out of the way right now um but i it doesn't make sense that they went and did what they did at charlotte which was qualifying you know uh that doesn't make a lot of sense when they did that 600 for sure but uh, I think that's a big factor as far as the one-day shows are concerned. And I and I do think, Spencer, there are people lobbying for one-day shows. I think the drivers love the fact that they show up and race. But the thing I get concerned about, and it to me is, is something that is absolutely missing in Daytona, is the fan aspect of it. You know, what about the pe- people who buy infield passes for, with a motor coach? You know, and you sit there and you go, I paid for a three-day weekend here at the track. I wanted to see the cup guys for, for two days. I get to see them one day? What the hell am I paying all this money for for three days, four days? You make me pay Wednesday through Sunday a whole week for, for to keep my RV here, and I'm seeing the cup guys one day? Why am I doing that? That's stupid. 
So you at least have to get them, at, to me, you have to get them to check at least two days for those fans um, so they can go to autograph sessions that they want to. Um, I, that's a part of it. And there's a lot of campers. Listen, Pocono, for example, makes a lot of money off of that. Daytona does that. A lot of the bigger tracks, because there's so much infield space there, and even not, you know, Poke, uh, Martinsville has an outside the track, a lot of, a lot of the RVs. So um, I, that's a big-time thing we have to keep in mind there with, with those practice sessions. But there's no question. I think everybody's in agreement that we had too much practice. Um, I think the bigger teams are probably going to push against that because of the engineering aspect of it all. But I think for the smaller teams, limiting practice and, and maybe even opening up testing – they ha- a couple of years ago, and it might be more than a couple now, they had, like, I think you could do four, four sanctioned tests. I mean, that was perfect, but I don't think the owner's going to want to do that. So I'm sort of beating a dead horse there with that. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call here tonight on Talking Circles. Um, the next race on the Cup Series schedule, and if you're not sure what, what, what's going on this weekend, because it's just there's a lot of racing going on. So a lot of people are saying, well, what's up next, you know? Homestead Miami Speedway is next. That's where the, the Cup, Truck, and Xfinity Series will all go this weekend on a Saturday and Sunday. I mentioned the schedule a little bit earlier. Um, it will be a two, two races on Saturday and two races on Sunday. Trucks and Xfinity on Saturday, Xfinity and Cup on Sunday. Uh, the starting lineup for the Cup race has been released. That's Dixie Vodka 400. Uh, I'll give you a quick synopsis here. On the starting lineup, it was Denny Hamlin on a pole, then Joe Logano, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., sixth. Seventh is uh, Kevin Harvick, Alex Bowman starts eighth, Jimmy Johnson ninth, Kurt Busch tenth, Ryan Blaney, Clint Boyer, Chris Buescher, Ryan Newman, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, Bubba Wallace, John Hunter Nemechek, that's 18th. Then it's uh, 19th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Matt Kenseth 20th, Eric Amarola 21st, William Byron 22nd, 23rd, Matthew Benedetto, and uh, other notables, Custer starts 35th. Christopher Bell starts 36th. So that's really the starting lineup there um, at Homestead. For the cup race, Michael McDowell starts 30th as well. Uh, for the cup race there on Sunday, um, what do you expect to see? Spencer, I'll start with you. What do you expect to see here at Homestead this weekend on the Cup Series side of things? Um, you know, when when last race we ran, last mile and a half race we ran, was last Sunday at Atlanta Motor Speedway. A lot of people complained about that race, felt like the racing was not very good, um, and really complained about the fact that Harvick really was able to pull away and have a huge lead there at the end of that race. Um, but what do you think we're going to see at Homestead Miami Speedway uh, on Sunday, Spencer? I, you know, it's really, really hot down here in Florida, um, so it's going to make it for a hot you know, slick racetrack, that's for sure. And, um, you know, I, you know, it's going to be like probably any other typical homestead race. You're going to see them run to the bottom and slowly go to the top um, as that uh, line works in. Um, You know, now that Larson's not up there, you know, you have to look at guys like Tyler Reddick. Um, He's going to move to the wall quick. Um, He likes that. I mean, he did that for two championships there in the Xfinity Series back-to-back. And I think the guy, you know, you – have to go there and say Bush is going to run good, but, you know, Gibbs is off. You know, they've been bad, and he hasn't been up to par. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of notable guys that are really well at that racetrack. You know, I, you're going to see your Harvick run well, your Truexes, and all them guys um, that are in top-notch teams. But, uh, you know, it's 
hopefully we can get it in. I know the weather down there is bad. It's been raining down here like crazy nonstop. Um, so hopefully we can race. Uh, you know, I know Xfinity has two races, and then you got the cup race. So it's a lot of – and the truck race. So you got a lot of action. Um, and for the Dale Jr. fans, it's going to be – you know, it's a shame that the fans can't go enjoy that. He's going to be down there racing. But other than that, I think it's just going to be any other typical homestead race. I think clean air is going to be key. Um, you're never going to be able to get away from clean air. Uh, you're in clean air, you're going to be fast, but, uh, you know, a lot depends what line, you know, that top line really rolls and you're really able to gain down the back stretch. So we'll just have to see. Yeah. It's going to be wild to see how the cup guys perform there. How about you, Philip? Um, what do you expect to see for the cup race on Sunday before we move on to the Xfinity series and truck series events? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the first time that, <clears throat> they the Cup Series has run at Homestead in a full day race. And that's the first time since 2004. And uh, that was the second year of a new configuration. It was a fresher pavement. First year of the chase when Kurt Busch won the championship and all those things. So it's a totally different time. You're talking about 17, 16, 17 years, and they're going to be run in the middle of the day in the summer. So it's going to be slick. And uh, Spencer brought it up. I mean, the, I think there's a possibility, hopefully, even with this 550 package, that there might be two grooves. I don't, I mean, I'm not confident on it. I wouldn't be putting money on it, but because the 550 rules package sucks. But you you probably need to be able to make uh, at least the high the wall is going to be in play very early on I would assume but the lane right below that is probably going to be interesting to see and possibly depending on who you are and if people are willing to get really uh, you know, kind of frisky, and they can go and run that that white line. It may bring up a line that hasn't been in play for a very, very long time at at Homestead. So that will be interesting to see. Of course, weather will play a role in terms of the rain being summer in Florida. Uh, I mean, you, you would look at the Gibbs guys, a lot of the drivers that have won there in recent years, it's a totally different dynamic running in November than it is in the middle of June. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what it is in daylight running, uh, running a race there at Homestead and how it looks. And they're going to have uh, military personnel there as fans invited. So it'll be the first race since the the start of the season, early in the season that there've been fans at the racetrack so that'll be good, uh, and uh, I'm interested to see what will happen. Yeah, that's a very good point. I'm, I'm curious to see how all the fans go with that at Homestead as well with, with the cup race. Um, we do have more racing at Homestead, of course. Uh, I mentioned Sunday there's two Xfinity races this weekend, uh, and that's the series we're going to focus on here Next is the Xfinity Series race. We didn't get a chance on uh, yet to talk about the last Xfinity Series race, which happened at Atlanta Motor Speedway. We'll talk, talk on that next. But let me just uh, lay it on the line. So you have the Hooters 250, and that is on Saturday. Uh, and Harrison Burton's on the pole for that one. Uh, if you're dealing with a junior fan, that's the one he's going to – he's scheduled to race 
is Saturday. And Saturday weather-wise is looking a little bit better than Sunday weather-wise. Um, but we're still a couple of days away from from absolutely absolutely being, you know, figuring out what we're going to have what's going to happen weather-wise. But that's the one Dale Jr. scheduled to run in. That is um, again the Hoosh 250 on Saturday. There's also the Contender Boats 250. That's the Sunday race in, in the eight car for just for uh, housekeeping. It's going to be Dan and Hemrick. They're going to have to go to the rear of the field for changing a driver. But uh, somebody that's in both races um, is somebody that's in um, at least one of those races. I'm not sure if he's in the set in the first one. Uh, I would assume he is. Is AJ Almendinger, who actually won the uh, the race at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which is shocking to see a guy who has a had a Cup career pretty much, and uh, lost his ride at JTG. Ran a couple of races last year. Comes out this year, wins his first oval race of any kind in NASCAR. Uh, in in a in NASCAR's Xfinity Earth Cup Series race, uh, to go out there and really see him win an oval race was was kind of surprising. But it was it, he he won it convincingly too. So it was a nice run for him. Um, Noah Gregson was second. Another solid day for him. Uh, then you got Justin Haley in third, Daniel Hemrick fourth, Harrison Burton fifth, Justin Allgaier, Ross Chastain, Brandon Jones, Chase Briscoe, and Anthony Alfredo were your top ten at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And I know it's been so many days, guys, since we ran that race, but I just kind of want to uh, just touch on that a little bit before we just preview a, a Homestead. You know, it was a race that saw um, a pretty much dominating, dominating performance from Austin Sindrick until he lost his track position. He won the first two stages and then finished – in the 16th spot. So track position was a huge issue there. Uh, I wonder if we're going to see that again, Philip Matthew, um, about these Xfinity series cars on Sunday. It's a little bit different package than what we're going to see from the cup guys. And, and you just clarified AJ is going to be in a dash or cash race. So he won't be in a Saturday event. I'll be on a Sunday event. Um, but what do you think we're going to see as far as the Xfinity series is concerned at Homestead Miami Speedway with both of these races coming up? Yeah, I mean, Cindric had the the one thing that we, we didn't mention, Clayton, was the fact that he took tires during the competition yellow very early in that race, and that basically affected his strategy the rest of the day. And when they had to pit on that last pit sequence where not only did Austin Cindric, but the Chase Briscoe, who was up front, and Arian Sindrick was leading, uh, Briscoe was up front, and Justin Allgaier all got nailed for speeding. Sindrick had to go and put on scuff and dropped, like, and dropped to the back. And then Briscoe and, and Allgaier had to come from the tail. Uh, they got EOL penalties. So Briscoe didn't have as good of a piece as Allgaier did, and Allgaier was able to get up further into the top 10, but that's what gave Almendinger the clean air. And once he got out there, he had a little battle with Gregson, but it really wasn't that serious. Um, when you consider Homestead as a rough racetrack, it's abrasive. They're very loose. Uh, they're going to be running in the daylight both days. Uh, it should be a much more, uh, on edge kind of race. There might be more yellows on uh, both of these races than there would have been at the usual uh, Xfinity uh, 300 mile uh, Xfinity races that they've had 
at the end of this season. Uh, so, I mean, it, it should be better, I think, in terms of a little more action. I don't I, – the clean air, as Spencer brought up earlier, is going to be key. It always is. They, they've R&D'd these cars out to a point where being in clean air, you're going to take off. But the fact that tire wear plays such a big role and you never know – it's like a dice roll with Goodyear. Uh, if they're going to bring a good tire or not, usually they don't. So it's possible that plays a role in this too. So – when, and they have two races, so when you consider some of these teams only have one race car, how far are some of those teams willing to go to battle for a position relative to some of the bigger organizations, the cup-affiliated uh, cup teams, to try and make sure that they're able to compete uh, here and get through two days at uh, Homestead, Miami, as they're going to have to deal with later in this next uh, wave of races that are coming up. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, the real interesting part about this weekend at Homestead is we haven't really seen these, these weekends, even in the cup side of things, where we've seen back-to-back days. Um, and in the Xfinity series, uh, it's going to be kind of wild to see how that all plays out where, you know, they're going to impound a car and, you know, you just kind of go out and see the same thing. I'm really curious to see how the show is going to be. Is it going to be a lot like what we saw on is Sunday going to be a lot like what we saw on Saturday? Um, so I would assume it's going to be because you can't do much of these cars anymore. Uh, but it's going to be very, very interesting. How about you, Spencer? What do you think we're going to see, and who do you think is going to be fast at Homestead for the Xfinity Series? Who do you think we should look out for, and what do you think we're going to see um, as far as the Xfinity Series is concerned at Homestead Miami Speedway this weekend. Yeah, it's. Um, I think you're going to see your your tip, your average and typical guys that you always see run up front, run up front. Um, just because you know the Xfinity series is really, you know, it's not like the Truck series where the competition is so um, close. You know, like you see, for instance, like a niche truck might, you know, and they do, they'll they'll run next to a KBM truck. Um, and Nice is a smaller, you know, organization. And I don't think the Xfinity series is like that. You know, you got about half, you know, you got actually probably maybe a quarter of the field has a shot at winning. Um, you know, you got your Penske cars, you got your Stuart Haas cars, you got your colleague cars, um, you got your big teams like that. They're the ones you see run up front, your JRM cars. And I think those are the guys that you're going to stay seeing up front. You know, you're going to have Allgaier, um, you know, he's a, you know, I look at him as just an Xfinity driver. I don't even consider him as a cup driver. So he's a veteran there, um, knows knows what to do there. And, you know, you're going to have you're gonna have Junior in the first one. Um, you know, he didn't, too, he didn't do too bad at Darlington, you know, last year when he ran the race. So I'm excited to watch him again. You know, you know me. I was a fan of him. Uh, me and your wife always got picked on by your whole family when you guys came down for Speed Week. So, um, but, no, I'm, I'm excited to see him run. You know, it's, it's cool that he comes back and, um, gives his fans um, another go around at watching them race, and um, but you're just going to see the normal guys out front, and um, you know Cindric's been fast, and you got to watch out for him. So, um, well, the Toyotas, you know, the Toyotas are going to be good. You know, that's a Toyota racetrack in the Cup Series, so you never know. Um, I'm 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 excited for two days of race. Actually, all series, honestly, um, it's going to be a packed packed weekend um, of racing at Homestead. 
Yeah, and let me give you a rundown of the points here quick in case you're not familiar really with the Xfinity Series and it's going to change so much over these next uh, – by the time we get on the air next. Um, Chase Briscoe leads the points. It's Noah Gregson in second. Gregson's four points back. He's re- Gregson, since we've come back from the pandemic, has been really, really strong. Harrison Burton's third. Justin Allgaier's fourth. Ross Chastain still there in fifth. Uh, Austin Sidrick, Justin Haley, Brandon Jones is eighth. Uh, Daniel Hemrick is ninth, but he is not eligible for the playoffs because he's not run all the races. So he's ninth in points, but he really doesn't count because he's not going to be championship contender. So then you got Ryan Segan, 10th, who would technically be ninth, and Riley Herbst in 11th. Brandon Brown, 12th, 13th, um, Michael Annette, and then Josh Williams is the next is the first guy off the cutoff. He's 34 points back from Annette in the 92, and he's run all eight races, so he's eligible for the playoffs. So that's really what the points look for, like, for the Xfinity Series. As we move on to the truck series, they ran the Vet Ticks Camping World 200 from uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. That was a Saturday, Saturday afternoon event as well. Uh, it was Brent Enfinger who got the victory um, in the FarmPaint.com for, for Thor Sport Racing. And as, as long as Grant's been running this series, this is his fourth full-time year now. It's only his fourth win. He won Daytona, of course, in the beginning of the year, and then he won here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, only his fourth for a win, but it was it was a good win. He got clean air at the end, led only the last uh, handful of laps, but was able to win. Kyle Busch uh, got into some trouble there. He had a penalty, I think. Chase Elliott lost his track position as well. Um, so Enfinger was able to win. It was Austin Hill second, uh, Christian Eckes third, Todd Gilland fourth. Gilland was strong all day. That front row motorsports team has been a lot more competitive in the trucks than I initially thought. Zane Smith's fifth, Chastain was sixth, then it was Derek Krause, Brett Moffitt, Ben Rhodes, and Stuart Friesen, uh, top ten run for Stuart Friesen there, as well in his um, Friesen, Hallmar, Toyota. Um, the qualifying results have been released for Homestead Miami Speed for the trucks. It's the Baptist Health 200 qualifying results for the truck series. Austin Hill is going to start from the pole. Uh, Kyle Busch will start second. Then it's Brent Enfinger, Christian Eckes, Ben Rhodes, Zane Smith, Derek Krause, Sheldon Creed, uh, Brett Moffitt, and Johnny Slaughter are top ten. The rest of the results you can find online. Um, but I just kind of want to discuss the truck series as a whole for a second and also discuss what we're going to see at Homestead. I'll start with you, Spencer. Um, what do you think about the trucks so far this year? They they've, haven't run a ton of races, um, but – you know, Kyle Busch is in this race on Saturday. Do you think he's going to be a major factor for the win, or do you expect somebody else to sort of compete with him? What are your thoughts on the truck race for Homestead? Well, you can't really forget, uh, you know, you have Chase Elliott back in a truck, too, uh, back in the 24 GMS truck with HendrickCars.com as the sponsor. So, um, And he took one from Bush and Charlotte. And um, with that bounty deal, that really ex- made the truck series exciting, and I love the truck series. Um and, you know, I mentioned in our last conversation just a minute ago, they're more even. Saying I feel like all the teams, you know, you got small teams running with, you know, competing with the top-tier teams, and that's fun. Um, and, you know, it's cool when, the you know, you don't have just eight cars just taking off and lapping everybody down. That's how I feel from the Xfinity Series. So you have the truck series is more, you know, equal, um, if you get what I'm trying to say. Um but yeah, I think you know, and you got Ross in there again. He's going to do it again with uh, Nice. Uh, so those are the three guys you have to watch out for that are fast. 
Um, hopefully he can just have some luck go his way. And, you know, he ran good last, last truck race and he's really had a truck kind of capable of winning the last two races. Just, you know, something broke on one race or something with a, a wreck and something happened with the tailgate of that truck. But, you know, you have those three guys that are fast and, um, chase, you know, I'm sure he wants to keep that kind of aggravation to Kyle Busch or however you want to say that by beating him again. And maybe he'll do another battle and spark up another, you know, fun topic to talk about and kind of get our minds off everything else that's going on in this world. And um, racing is a good way to just kind of sit down and ease your mind and watch some good racing. And truck racing is always good. So um, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see uh, if Chase Elliott can go up there and compete. And, you know, one of the things that, that's sort of been a, uh, a stick, I've been a stickler on this year is I loved these motorsports. I do. They're great. Uh, I just get afraid they're stretching themselves too thin. Uh, Majeski really wasn't a factor, unfortunately, at Atlanta. I'm hoping he is a factor, uh, a little bit, has a little bit more competitive of a truck at Homestead. We'll see. Uh, Thor Sport had a, had a good run with Ben uh, Anfinger, but we haven't seen him lead a lot of laps. I'm still waiting for Sauter. It just seems like Sauter, he's got all the experience in the world. I'm just waiting for him to run off a couple of five straight top ten runs and say, okay, Johnny Sauter's back. Um, but I, I haven't done that yet. How about you, Philip? What do you think we're going to see for the Truck Series at Homestead? And what are your overall thoughts? I mean, right now, Austin Hill leads the points, which is shocking. I think if you ask people who led the points in the Truck Series, Austin Hill wouldn't be your answer. But he is. Zane Smith is second. Grennan Finger third. Brett Moffitt, Ben Rhodes, Christian Eckes, then Sheldon Creed, Johnny Sawyer, Derek Krause, and Todd Gilliland, the top ten. Um, what do you think we're going to see as far as Homestead Miami Speedway? And just what do you think we've seen so far from the trucks overall in general? When you're when you look at the fact that we're in early June and they've only run four races, they're going to be running the fifth race on Saturday night, weather permitting. It's it's crazy to look at the points, and when you also consider that they have a shorter season, shorter regular season relative to the Chase playoff, it's it's a big. Every race really matters. It's what makes when Kyle Busch is going and cherry-picking because he owns a team. he has, Unlike the Xfinity series, he kind of has a right because he's putting money into this deal. Chase Elliott going out there, he got the bounty, now it's just whatever. When they're taking away stage points or taking away race wins, it affects the regulars. The only person right now that's truly solid that doesn't have to worry about anything the rest of the year until the playoff is Grant Infinger because he went and swept by Austin Hill late in that race at Atlanta. But Austin Hill dominated at Homestead last year and after missing out on the final four, after having a career year, it didn't mean anything. He won the race, but he didn't win the championship and the Kraft didn't want it. And you look at Johnny Sauter got disqualified for whatever infraction. So now he lost a bunch of points. He had whatever his top 10, 15 finish, and he lost all those points. So he's on the bump spot. And unlike the Xfinity and the Cup Series, this is a real playoff. Like, you really have to earn it. Only eight drivers make it. This is going to be a very difficult playoff to make relative to the amount of competitive trucks. 
uh, I mean, Spencer talked about it with the niece. You talked about it with niece. You talk about it with some of these other with Friesen and and DGR Crosby and all these other people. Ty Majeski right now, he finished I think dead last at Daytona when he flipped on his lid, and they they only have three trucks this week, which is probably a good thing. He's 16th in points. He is, you know, like. 25, 30 points out of uh, he's he's like 25 points out of the bump. So or 20, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy to think only four races into the season you've lost that much ground. And when you, I mean, with the stage points, it's possible to make that up in a in a in a short amount of time. But for Nice and for Majeski and some of these other favorites, title favorites, you would think they need to make a, they need to make a move forward. I would also look at Raphael Lassard and Ford truck. I would look at freezing and gray and some of them to go and take that move forward. It's what made Gilliland running as well as he did on Saturday, all the more meaningful because it had been a struggle at least early. And now he had a great run. It moves them forward. Uh, I mean, it's a wild card. You never know. I mean, probably it'll be one of the cup guys, but if it isn't a cup guy, it'll benefit one of those truck regulars. Yeah, for sure. I tell you, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be answered here in the next month for this truck series, and one of them is, is Majeski and the Nice, are they going to be a serious championship contender? I think that's certainly one. Uh, Stuart Friesen, I think we need to see more speed out of him. He hasn't had a lot of speed uh, this year. I know he's 13th in the standings, but he has not performed well. He hasn't got a lot of stage points either. Can Front Row Motorsports keep up what they've done so far? They've been very impressive. Uh, you know, can he's ran good. He has. He's done very a lot better than I thought he was. And, and maybe it took him a little bit longer than some people would like, but maybe Todd Gilliland is the real deal after all. We'll see. You know, he's got a lot to prove this year for me to, to, to say that, but it's certainly stepping in the right direction. And, and the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks are certainly somebody I'm looking out for. Eckes and uh, Rafael Lassard have not run as good as they, you would expect them to, but it's early. You know, we got to keep that in mind. At, at certainly June 11th, you think, oh, you know, they should have 15 races under their, 10 races under their belt, and they only got four. So it's very, very early yet. So a lot of answers, a lot of questions to still be answered in the truck series. Uh, guys, I want to say thank you so much for for uh, coming on tonight and, and being great. It was a tremendous show. I want to thank everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be back here next week in Talking Circles to break down every all the action from Homestead Miami Speedway. We'll see you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.